How many get as excited uh, as I can as a Florida fan winning their football yesterday? That's, that's a pretty exciting deal. I want to get as excited in church, you know, and uh, grateful about that. The series is entitled Room at the Table. This Wednesday night, we had a Wednesday night about a month ago in which we specifically prayed for cancer. In my time of prayer just this week, we're going to do that again this Wednesday night, but we're going to pray specifically for physical people with physical challenges or needs in their body, which could include cancer, but we're also going to pray for financial needs, people that, that have a financial need that needs to be met. I told someone yesterday, you can do almost anything you want to do if you have two things. Number one, if you have time and you have money. You can have all the money in the world and have great, great desire, but if you don't have the time, guess where the money? The money's going to stay in your pocket. And then, of course, uh, if you have all the time in the world and say, I got all the time in the world, I can do this, this, and this, but I don't have the money. Well, then guess what you're going to do? You're going to have a big dream that's never going to be fulfilled. So here's what, here's what we do. God says, okay, I'm going to bless you more than you could ever be blessed. Tonight's message is how to prepare for God's favor, how to prepare for God's favor. So that tonight and then Wednesday night as we pray specifically, this Wednesday night will be prayer. Trust you come. Numerous testimonies out of the Wednesday night from a month ago of what God actually did. So the series today is Room at the Table, and the text is found in Matthew 28. Here we go. Matthew 28, verse 18. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always until the very end of the age. It's beautiful. Uh, who do you know that you'd like to tell to go to hell? Who do you know that you'd like to see go to hell? Just tell me who they are. You know, uh, well, I don't, I don't know of anyone that I know that I want to see them go to hell. Have you ever had anybody like I have that's told you to go to hell? You know? I mean, if you ever did, it's just not a good feeling when someone says, I want you to go to total darkness, total annihilation, eternal punishment, because that's what you deserve. That's called hell. I hope you go there. You see, very few of us in our right mind and that we have a right spirit would even come close to wanting to tell someone to go to hell. And most of us do not have anyone in our lives, I pray that you don't, that you would say, you know what, they don't deserve heaven. They've been so mean and rambunctious. They really, they really, I'm, they, they really need to go to hell. Or maybe you've had somebody that's done such a dastardly deed to you or you heard that, that they did something so cruel and did maybe to a child or to an innocent people or whatever else. And I've heard people say, they deserve to burn in hell. No Christian ought to ever say that. No person representing the blood of Jesus Christ ought to even come close to that. Now, so here's, here's the deal. We know that we have the commandment to go in all the world and preach and teach and the gospel. And God said, I'll be with you. But the reality is this. We may not say it. We may not command it in a person's life, but may I suggest to you that by the lack of action, we're allowing people that are close to us, that maybe we work with, that unless someone stands in the gap and actually shares with them the message that keeps them from going to hell, they will die in eternity in hell. Now, here's what we try to do. We hide. You guys stay with me. I want to move the needle a little bit. We hide sometimes from reality of the truth when we do not want to get engaged. So here's what we often do. Well, you know what? They're a good person. 
Uh, they're a congenial person. They have great personality. They'll give you the shirt off their back, you know, and all of that. And we want to paint them in that arena and say, now the Bible says, judge not that you be not judged. And then we never do anything about it because the reality is if we ask the question, are they born again? Do they believe in Jesus Christ? And when they pray a sinner's prayer, whenever it was, did their life change? Now, here's something you can absolutely know from Scripture. You cannot run into the atomic bomb of change and not be changed. You cannot receive the most powerful person in the planet and beyond without your life resonating with change. Language change, personality changes, the habits change, the desire to live courageously for God. All of that aligns with your newfound relationship. So don't kid yourself. If you say, I'm born again and your life doesn't change, you're just joking around, friend. Because true change and true relationship impacts you and me. And as we understand that, we don't like to face that. And the reason that we don't like to face that, if we assume the personal responsibility, not just corporately, but if we assume the personal responsibility in which not just the preacher, not just the deacon, not just the Sunday school teacher, not just the usher, but all of us bear the responsibility of reaching lost people one by one, unless we understand that more people than what God intended to go to hell will go to hell because we did not step in the gap. Being a sinner is not okay. Not serving God is not okay. Standing on the edge is not okay. A full revolution of God's love in your life is what counts, and that is the key and the ticket that causes you and and me to stand in the holy presence of God. And that's what our life is about. We have many opportunities. We just fail to do it. You see, that was the desire of Jesus. He, he of course, fulfilled the commandment, fulfilled the desire and the will of God, and he was contagious about it. And this is what he said. He said, my food, my substance, my thrill, my anointing, my food is to do the will of of the Father. I want the Father, God the Creator, to be pleased with my action sent by Him as the Son of God and as a man. And that's what we believe. And there are a lot of things that we can engage in. Lively worship is one of those things. And I love it and I appreciate it. And great pro, it's a wonderful, wonderful thing. But at the end of the day, we fail to declare the gospel message to those that are around us, we are missing God's perfect will. I set you as a light on a hill, he said, not to hide your light in darkness. So the message today is to us. The message hopefully will remind us of some of the things that we should be doing, and hopefully it will move the needle and cause us to say, okay, I, I want to assume my responsibility, but I don't know how. Well, we're going to give you four points of how to manage that today. The first habit last week was to develop relationships with individuals that, that you know are not born again. You say, well, I don't want to judge people. I shouldn't do that. And here's what the Bible says, and that is not an out. Here's what he says, but you will know them by the fruit they bear. So if a person says, hey, man, don't bother me, I'm a, I'm a Christian, and then all of a sudden the next sentence they light into a bunch of curse words and then turn around and tell you some of the things that they see in pornography and turn around and cheat and lie and then run and drink and carouse, I don't care how much they say they know Jesus. It is not the Jesus that I know that says that lifestyle is not of God, but it's of evil forces. Somebody say amen. So you judge them by the fruit they bear. Not that you go around, well, I, I've been judging you, brother. You got a little mouth on you. <laughs> well, you got a little pride in you. Amen? 
live the life. So judge the fruit. And you can do that quietly. Wow. I need to just talk to them. I do that from time to time. I'm a, a parouser of Facebook. I find out more about you on Facebook. I very seldom post, but I look. And I've actually had some minister friends. And I've had some individuals right here at Victory that post stuff on Facebook. And I thought, I'm their pastor. That's a bad reflection on me. I had one that I've been working on for a long time, two weeks ago. And I text back. I didn't do it privately. I did it right out there in the open. Because if you're going to use that kind of language, listen to me. I just simply said, you know, I trust that this is not you using this kind of language. You know what I got back? O-M-G. Amen? And I, don't go, and I don't do that all the time. It was just, man, you just can't do that. Unbelievable. Be a fruit inspector. It's important. So we talked about having relationships, and today is the second. And having, who do you want not at the table? is having verbal witness of explaining the gospel to individuals. And so I, I kind of came up with this, okay? How many people have ever attempted to play golf? Say amen. How many attempted to play it? You, 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 you play it and you're pretty good at it. May I see your hand? How many play it and you're not good at it? How many play and you hope you were better? Sure, there you go. Now, from what I understand about golf, I played it one time. I quit playing. One day I teed off. There was a guy that had a truck with a camper thing on the back. He had the back window of that camper deal up. My ball went straight for the truck, right through the back deal of that camper, bounced around on the inside of that camper, and then jumped out on the ground right behind the bumper. I thought, this is it for me. And God approved it because he sent lightning across the sky in about five minutes. And I said, I know what you're saying. I'm leaving town right now. <laughs> so I went over and stood beside a tree to have shelter. <laughs> but let me tell you my experience. For example, if you're a golfer, you take the ball and you do what's called teeing up. How many know what that means? Y'all going to help me preach now, so you might as well wake up. You're going to tee it up you got to have a little wooden peg. You put the peg in the ground. If you're like me, the peg is about that far off the ground because I, I don't want the ball right on the ground because I'm going to take acreage with me when I swing the ball. And so you peg, peg it up about that high, and you put the ball on the tee, and, of course, you get ready. You're going to play golf. And, of course, you got to look the part. If you're going to do it, be sure you got the right shoes. Hello? I saw a man one time who came out to try to play in street shoes. His first time that he swung, the street, street shoes gave away. He turned a flip right on the tee off, and that was it for him. But if you're going to do it, you've got to have the right clothing. Somebody say amen. You've got to have the right hat on. You got it? You've got to have the right clubs. Good set of gloves. Well, you can get it. How much you get a good set of clubs, Crowder? A couple thousand dollars? Yeah, let's say a couple thousand dollars. What about you, Mike? A couple thousand? That works. Two grand. Get them out. Got them in. Got to look good. You tee the ball up. You take, if it's 300 yards, you take a wood. You with me? You say, I don't know what a wood is. It's a wood. <laughs> take it out. You brush it off. You put your ball down. You take your club, hold the handle, you look toward the hole. Then you reach down and get you some grass, throw it up. <laughs> then you take a finger. Got to do this. Your approach to the ball.
you're not up the ball. Then you take the club, you put right behind the tee, you put your club back in the bag. Now, I know I have the swag. But what I have is a golf ball. It's a good one. On a tee. And it's teed up. Some of you have been teed off before. You know what I mean. The ball's teed up. So here we go. We're just going to leave it right there. We'll be back. You see, the ball's going to sit there. Unless the wind blows it. The ball's going to sit there until you take the face of the club and you hit it. And then it's going to go. But it won't go until you hit it. Man, I got a good game going. I know people are dying and going to hell. Yeah, I care about lost people. I give to missions every week. Yeah. God said, hey, what about the people you work with? What about your family member? What, what about your neighbor over there that you never, you know, what, what about this one? What, what, what in the world's going on? Well, you know, God, I got it teed up over there. But teeing it up won't ever put it in the hole. Amen? The only reason I don't play golf is I'd probably have to play on Sunday. And if I played on Sunday, I'd get a hole in one and I couldn't tell anybody about. <laughs> so here's what we know. He says that we're to be as wise as a snake, serpent, and as gentle as a dove. So we're going to be engaged in the process. Okay, what do I need to do if I'm, if I'm responsible for reaching lost people? God, if I, I assume that, that responsibility, and I know it's me, not the preacher, not the deacon, not to this, not to that. It's me, God. You can be creative as, as a friend Jeffrey Cotter was. Jeffrey is a minister and on the plane, and a young businessman sat down beside him, and Jeffrey turned and said, hi, my name's Jeffrey, and and the young businessman said, well, my, my name is, uh, is a, let's call him Luke. And uh, my name is Luke. He said, well, so Luke's good to see you. So, so glad to sit by you today. And uh, so he said, it's wonderful. He said, by, by the way, Luke, what, what do you do for a living? I mean, you got a business suit and everything. And Luke says, well, I'm, you know, I'm in the figure salon business. And Jeffrey said, well, what's a figure salon? He said, we take people uh, in, particularly ladies. And we, uh, we do, of course, the pedicure. We do the manicure. How many of you know the manicure is what you do to your fingers and the pedicure is what you do to your feet? And not only that, but we have a file and a piece of sandpaper, and we file off the rough skin on your heels and do all of that, you know, and put little cotton deals between your toes so it looks legit. And then we put you into an exercise program and give you a complete body massage, which takes about an hour and a half. And then you are an absolute different person, and you do that at least twice a week until we see body change. We count the cellulite cells on you so that they help disappear with this special oil that we use. And our business is booming. That's, that's the business that, that I am in. By, by the way, uh, by the way, 
uh, Jeff, what business are you in? He said, well, I'm, you know, I'm, uh, I'm in about the same business you're in. You know, you're in the body salon business, and I'm, I'm in the personality change business. He said, in my business, we use theocratic principles to see a person changes from the inside out, not just the outside, but that, that theocratic modification causes a person to change from the inside out. And the young businessman says, you know, I've heard about that. Do you have offices here in town? And, and Jeffrey says, Pastor Jeffrey said, yeah, we have, we have several offices here in town. We have offices throughout the state, state here in every city. As a matter of fact, we are international. We have offices in every nation of the world for the most part. Any that you've ever visited, we say, wow, that's unbelievable. You know, are you on the exchange? No, it's privately owned. What do you mean it's privately owned? He said it's privately owned. He said, you know, it's our goal to have, have an office in every place, even where people haven't been from the outside outside world. He said, well, that, that takes a lot of capital, does it? Yeah. But he said, it's a home owned, privately owned, the father and the son own it. <laughs> and he said, and they own the cattle on a thousand hills. Oh, they do. Yeah. Man, they're in the cattle business. Absolutely. We just kid around because they have so, so much money. There's never a money need because the money always comes in. The father and son are creative. As a matter of fact, I couldn't tell you that if there was nothing on the table, they could create something to put it on the table. And Luke says, man, that's, that is unbelievable. He said, how about, how about your business, Luke? Oh, we don't have anything like that. You don't. You're investing your life in a business that can't provide that? Yeah. He said, and you say it's a father and a son? He said, what, what about you? He said, oh, what about the employees? Oh, the father and the son love one another so much that that love filters down. In all of our businesses, that love filters down from the Father and the Son into all of us, and we love, we love one another. As a matter of fact, I have friends that would give their life for me if I were in trouble. Really? How about your business? No, man, it's always about the bottom line. So young Luke says, well, how about, how about the benefits? He said, the benefits? You're not going to believe this. He said, I have life insurance forever. Not only that, I have fire insurance. Not only that, he said, I have all the basics. And he said, I have holdings in a mansion that they're building for me right now when I retire that I'll live in the most beautiful mansion you've ever seen in your world. Wow. Here's what Pastor Cotter said. Eventually, we nailed down more spiritual issues and before we landed, I won that young businessman to Jesus Christ. And I presented a simple message. You know, what I'm talking about is my Savior, Jesus Christ, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I was lost and on drugs and in drink and a carouser until one day I ran into the Son and he reached his hand down in the pit that I was in and pick me up and redeem me. And I'm glad to tell you that when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, that sin touched me. But Jesus died on the cross that I could get redemption from my sin. May I pray for you. He said the young businessman had tears in his eyes, and he said, never, ever in my life have I ever had anyone explain to me a message of redemption? And friend, those things are all around us. It's the ability to share a witness, building those relationships, but we eventually get to it. How do we do it? I want to give you four things. Here they are because I know that you're into note-taking. Number one, you've got to initiate. Say that with me, initiate. How many of you men initiated the first date with your wife? You initiated it. Okay, how many of you women, you initiate? You said, I'm bold. I initiated a date with that old buzzard. I did it. I can honestly tell you that's true in my story with Sharon. I can tell you honestly she initiated it. 
without a doubt. How many of you believe that? Raise your hand. How many have a few doubts about that? Ask her. So how do you initiate? You might start with somebody that's serving a table, somebody that delivers your mail. You might start with your neighbor. You might start with a business associate. You might start with a bag person or a plastic person, whatever you call it. You might, you know, uh, ask a few questions to a, to a person that you might meet and run into from time. Hey, what do you, what do, you do for a living? Or um, where are you from? Do you, do you attend high school here? Or, you know, where did you go to school? University? Uh, where do you go to church? Now, I've had this happen. Where do you go to church? I go to Victory Church. Now, I'm sitting there talking to them, and they don't know who I am. I'm saying she'll be coming around the mountain when she comes. They don't know who I am. I'm saying, well, you don't show up very much, or I've changed a lot. You know, here's something important. You're never going to get that ball in the air unless you keep swinging with that person until finally you're able to go to step two. You initiate that. How many children do you have? Here it is. To the women, you can say, um, how many of you ladies read Southern Living from time to time? Well, how many of you women read NASCAR Fever? I might have the wrong crowd. <laughs> how many of you men, how many of you men, how many of you men ever read a book about grilling? Or you just haul off and do it? <laughs> or you might say, here's one for you ladies. Hey, did you Hallmark, did you see the last Hallmark movie, No Tears in Vermont? Huh? Did you see that? <laughs> yeah, No Tears in Vermont. Yeah, did you see that other movie? You know, Sugar on the Mountain? Yeah, that was a good one. Yeah, I'll tell you what. Or the men, you say, do you grill, et cetera? And then you might talk about your family. How many kids you got? How many of them do you like? <laughs> How many of them run you crazy? You know, Pat Sajak, this past week, aired the program Wheel of Fortune. And uh, the name of the contestant was Blair Davis. Blair's from California. So Pat Sajak, they always ask, you know, after the first round, they always ask, Has your, tell me about your family. And that's what Pat did on this little video. Here we go. Hello, Blair. Hello. Uh, Blair Davis, Cardiff, California. Owned the trucking business, it says here. Small trucking business yeah. in San Diego. Yeah. Good for you. And talk about your family. I've been trapped in a loveless marriage for the last 12 years <laughs> to an old battle axe named Kim. She cursed my life with three stepchildren named Star, RJ, and Ryan. And I have one rotten grandson. <laughs> Yay! No wonder you came here. You just wanted to get away from everybody. I know you're being uh, facetious. Absolutely. I love them uh, like, no, like nobody's business. I'll bet you do. Uh, what's the story of the beard and your grandson? Uh, I started growing the beard a couple of years back, and every time I threaten to shave it off, he gives me a really hard time. Yeah, so it's going to stay. Apparently. He's grown used to it. Okay, good to have you. Don't get it tangled up in the wheel. That's all we ask. Uh, all right, everybody, we'll do another toss-up. That took Pat Sajak by surprise. As a matter of fact, it went viral and went beyond anything you could ever imagine from any game show that particular interval so shocked it went viral. And the most, the most watched, apparently none of you watched it, but the most watched in the world ever. So let's talk about his family. Oh, yeah, what are you going to do? How about your family? Well, I'm married to what? What did he say? Yeah, something like that. Now, that's when you need to address the ball and walk away. You know, I've run into a mental maniac. When you initiate a conversation, yet, and you've got to decide to do it. The minute you do, here's what happens. 
you open yourself up to the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Otherwise, you'll be hindered by pride and fear. Just pride and fear. But when you take that step of faith, okay, I'm, I don't know where it's going to go, but I'm, I'm going for it, and you actually do it, the Holy Spirit will guide that ball where it needs to be. Number two, discern. How many of you know someone that has the gift of suspicion? There you go. How many of you know that discernment and suspicion are cousins? One is good and one is not good. The gift of discernment is good. Discern. Suspicion means you don't particularly trust anybody. I, I call it you're discerning the person's level of interest. Let's say you're going to initiate. Let's say you're going to ask those questions that I mentioned. And I'm serious. Then you're going to be able to determine what the level of interest is by discernment in that person as you dig a little deeper in the conversation. I had someone tell me one time, Pastor, uh, I, don't, I don't wear my religion on my sleeve. In other words, Pastor, back off. You don't need to tell me twice. I, I just backed off. I prayed harder. But I'm happy to tell you that person comes to church here every single Sunday now and is really uptight with the Lord Jesus Christ and is happy to share the good news of what God's done with them just like that. Do you know why? I learned, hey, I'm not going to push you. I'm backing off. you got to have that spirit of discernment. So if you got to the place, you got to read the signs. If you're talking and you're overloading, you say, I'm going to really turn it loose, and you've got a person by the arm, and you will not let them go, and they try to keep separating, and you look, and their eyes are glazed over, and looking in the space, you have talked too long. Their demand for your supply is not there anymore. You've given more. Be wise as serpents, gentle as dove. I had a person who came that I invited to church one time. Hey, man, how did you like it? I mean, I was just saying, man, that was great. I was proud of the choir, the orchestra. Everybody said, man, that's quite a show. I'm thinking, show? Have you lost your mind? We didn't try to put on a show, and then it dawned on me, you dummy. That's the only word that he knows. It's quite a show. When I thought about what I was thinking, how <laughs> I many know that's unusual? I said, buddy, you're right. It was quite a show, wasn't it? And not only that, it was all for the Lord Jesus Christ. Our best effort is to almighty, almighty God. So we have that spirit of initiate, that spirit of discernment, okay? I think now, and now I'm ready, but you've got to have that relationship, remember? Then explain. Say that with me. Explain, explain, explain. Here we go. First Peter 3.15, always, always, and forever, always, is always, every time, all the time, always. Be prepared to give an answer for the hope that lies within you. So when you give your heart to Christ, you declare that he's Jesus and Lord, you have hope. So he just said, every time, no excuses. All the time, be prepared. Be prepared to tell that person about the hope that's in you. Tell me how you're going to get around that. I can't, but I'm trying to tell you, how do you hit it head on? Romans 10 says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call if they haven't believed? And how can they believe if they haven't heard? And how can they hear if no one has shared the message? How can they believe? You carry the hope, you and I. We're not trying to hide it, stifle it, choke it. We're trying to share it here. And Jesus is saying, you, I command you. Explain it. Be prepared to talk to them about Jesus. Here's one way to do that. You get ready to pray over your meal. 
you got a servant that's got a little bit of a personality, and you say to them, hey, while you're standing here, we're about to pray over our meal. Would you mind joining us? And you reach and take hands of those at your table, and you take their hand and say, hey, Lord Jesus, bless this food. Do you know what? That prayer may be the only prayer that server's prayed forever. We explain it. And when you do, you take that step of faith, and here's what the Bible says. When God called Moses in a burning bush, and the burning bush was not consumed, uh, he said, Moses, take off your sandals. You are standing on what? Holy ground. In other words, when you take an act of faith and God shows up, when you take that act of, act of faith of explaining, initiate, discern, and now explain, when you take that act of faith, here's what happened. God shows up. It's when you finally put your face of the club to that ball and it goes, then God says, I'll put it where I need it to go. I need it to go in the hole, and that's where it's going to wind up. You might say, well, does it go directly to the hole? No, it may go 100 yards from the hole. The Lord says, you know, take out a three iron or a five iron. I like a five iron better, iron better on, uh, from, from 100 yards. Am I close, Mike? Yes, I am. I'm the golfer. See, that's the problem with some of you people. <laughs> now, you take a pool stick. Crowder breathes with me. You agree with me, don't you? Both of you see me after church. <laughs> see, here's the deal. The Holy Spirit shows up. Ken Blanchard, who's a great leader, speaker, Here's what he says. Do I love this person enough to tell him or her the very best that I know? And you know what? You might have jokes. You might have funny stories. You might have serious stories. But old Blanchard said, hey, when you see a person that you've initiated, tell them the best story you know. And that story can't be any better than the story of the gospel. Amen? Y'all with me? Okay, the story of the gospel, and it starts often with your own personal redemption. Look what Jesus did to me and for me. In the pit, lost as all get out, didn't know anything about church, didn't know anything about Jesus and salvation. There it is. And then finally, the last one, ask. Ask. Initiate, discern, explain, and now ask. So you've talked, you've initiated, and you've gotten, you've gotten solid ground that the both of you look at and think, okay, I got the ball over here on the tee. Now I've got to ask. And God, I don't know if I can even hit the ball. And I don't know what their response is going to be. And the Holy Spirit says, hey, there's an anointing on you. You just ask. You ask. So here's how it goes. You know, I appreciate you. You know, and I've talked about your family. We've talked about a lot of different things through the months or the years. But in my heart of hearts, for me, it's time for me to ask you this question. Would you let me take a moment and pray for you? Pray for your family. And would you be willing by faith to do like I did, to repeat this little prayer after me so that I'll know, so that I'll know that when I walk away from here that I will have done what God wanted me to do in your behalf. 99% of the time they're going to say, sure. Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, I've sinned, I've sinned. Please forgive me, please forgive me. I want to do right, I want to do right. But I need your help. 
I need your help. I believe by faith. I believe by faith. Jesus, you died on the cross. Jesus, you died on the cross to forgive me. I am sorry. Thank you for redeeming me. What just happened is a miracle that rescued someone shrouded in death. And God brought them to life. And unless we, the church, that's us, decide that it's my responsibility, more people than you care to know will not make heaven. For how shall they hear if no one shares the message? So you can beat around the bush, you can joke with them, fellowship with them, golf with them, eat with them, but sooner or later, the Holy Spirit requires you and me to make the ask. And when you do an anointing of adrenaline that will be beyond anything that you could ever imagine will hit your life, and you will be able to walk over to the ball with your club, just a wood, 300 yards, a wood, and look at it and say, Holy Spirit, I'm about to hit it. And some, most of the time I miss, but this time I have a feeling it's going to sail right off into eternity. And you watch it. And the Holy Spirit says to the power of darkness, that's one you lost. They're redeemed. Amen. <clears throat> would, you, um, would you stand, everybody? Just stand. Here we go. Heavenly Father, uh, we're grateful. We, we want people at the table. We don't want not one person to miss. We don't want a family member to miss because we, we, we couldn't get the courage. Well, we'll never get the courage. God, there's a lot of things that we do. If you have never ridden a fair ride, at the fair, you're crawling a Ferris wheel you've never ridden on in your life. And it's put up by a group of people, Father, that, that, that put it up over and over and over again. And I'm willing to get on it and ride it. And God, I pray right now for lost people. I pray for family members. I pray for working associates. I pray for individuals that we, that we rub shoulders with. God, it's high time we got to the place that we remember idea. I is initiate. D is for discern. E is for explain. And A is for ask idea. Those four steps. If that happens, miracles will begin to take place because miracles take place when there's life. And there's nothing more that brings life like individuals who awaken to their spiritual destiny in Christ. It happens every time. So in your name, do what we cannot do and meet the need of every family and every person here. And so just in case there's someone here or someone listening that doesn't know the Lord, I'm going to ask everybody to repeat this prayer. Would you do that with me right now? Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father I thank you for Jesus Christ. For Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus I, need I need forgiveness. I have failed. I have, I have, sinned, I have sinned. And I need that forgiveness. I need that forgiveness. So, I admit, so I admit and I confess. And I, confess. I ask you for, the, for your forgiveness. Come into my heart. I desire to serve you. In Jesus' name, amen. You are now free. Free. Here's the other thing. For everything that God does that brings you favor, I'll talk about it tonight. I know you're going to be here. Brings blessing after obedience. Every miracle, blessing after obedience. And you may be here in this room and you say, oh, you're tagging around a problem. Or as a matter of fact, some of you, this week, the enemy tagged you with a massive fear about something you can do nothing about. 
and has really taken the joy out of your life. This morning, God's going to deliver you of that right here and right now in this altar. And maybe physically you need a divine touch of God. Or maybe you have a family member that just is so irreverent. Bring them down in your heart of hearts. As we sing this song, I'll give the benediction in just a moment. Stay with me. You respond, and let's see what God will do right here in the act of obedience. Here we go. Can you use me? I give myself away. Let God direct you, friend, and respond here. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Just come on down, friend. Some of you leaders, look out. Help me. Okay, I'm going to ask you to bow your heads because here's, here's what I feel in my spirit. There's someone here that there is a real battle of God's spirit and the lies of the enemy speaking to you right now in this room. And I'm declaring that you will be able to walk away from the lies and respond in this altar and take a giant step of faith to say to the enemy, I rebuke you and I declare that you are dead and that this will no longer exist in my life. And my friend, if God speaks to you, I want you released. I will not do this again, but I'm gonna give you one more opportunity to get in this altar right now in Jesus' name. I wanna wait on you. Here we go, let's sing it. Oh, I give myself away. You leadership, help me. Myself away. Thank you, Jesus. Over here. So you Thank you, Jesus. 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 In your name. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. not been obedient and you're still filling that pull, that is, friend, that's not the devil. The only spirit that's pulling you is Almighty God. Don't you dare, don't you dare give him a deaf ear. If you still need to come, I'm about to give the benediction, but that should not stop you from your act of obedience. Heavenly Father, I thank you because I've sensed your Holy Spirit in our hearts. I thank you because there are lost people that are going to go to hell still. 
because the church in general has failed to stand up and to declare the gospel message of Christ. You did not create the church to pay patty cake. You did not create the church just to be a worship center. You created the church for live people to go reach dead people and declare that there's only one message and that message is Jesus. I pray that you would help us, bring us back tonight as our soul and our spirit is fed by the anointing of the Holy Ghost. I pray again you would meet every need of every family and touch them in a special way. And we give you praise and everybody said, Amen. Be sincere and greet somebody that you like, okay? And maybe one that you don't like. God bless. I give myself away. I give myself away.